great things that were said, and that's the, where the majority of the message will be tonight. But Genesis 25, and begin reading there in verse 5. It says, And Abraham gave all that he had unto Isaac, but unto the sons of the concubines which Abraham had, Abraham gave gifts and sent them away from Isaac his son, while he yet lived eastward unto the east country. And these are the days of, of the years of Abraham's life, which he lived in hundred, threescore, and fifteen years. Then Abraham gave up the ghost and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. And his sons Isaac and Ishmael buried him in the cave of, of Mechpelah in the field of Ephron, the son of Zoar the Hittite, which was before Bamre. Then the field which Abraham purchased of the sons of Heth, there was Abraham buried, and Sarah his wife. And it came to pass after the death of Abraham that God blessed his son Isaac, and Isaac dwelt by the well of Horod. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 11 now. Look here, beginning of verse 8. We look at the beginning of this chapter. It reminds us of what faith is. Now faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And then we find the description of the faith of Abraham there, beginning in verse 8. It says, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. And he went out not knowing whither he went. By faith he sojourned in the land of promise, as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. We look here tonight at Abraham. This final message in this series, Abraham, the man who lived by faith. The man who lived by faith. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. And God, we thank you for your word and the privilege it is to hold it in our hands tonight. Lord, help us, God. Show us in your words what you have for us. Be with me as I preach. I pray that I would preach your thoughts, your words tonight. And help the listener, God, to be encouraged by what we find of Abraham's life here as it ended and as he finally was able to be this final resting place home uh, with you. Well, bless us tonight, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Look at Abraham here in the Hall of Faith with many other great men and women of the Bible. We look at him as being one that God specifically labeled to be a man who lived by faith. And many Christians today would profess to be people of faith, Christians of faith, and and there might be some here tonight that would, that would say you're a, you're a person of great faith and you, you'd say, you know, I'm saved, I'm right with the Lord, I'm in good standing with Him. And there's many Christians throughout this world that would raise their hand and they would say they, they live for God, they have faith. But as we look at many Christian lives and as we look at our own lives, sometimes what we say isn't quite what it really is or as what we would hope it to be. And if we were to zoom out and see our lives from up above or to see the bigger picture of our lives and the decisions that we made and the lack of, of victory that may have been there when it could have been there or the defeat that we find or, or the moments when God just wanted us to trust him and we took things at our own hands, sometimes that outside view would help us to see uh, what, what our life really was about and where our faith was. And as we look at our life and as we evaluate the, the life that God's called us to live and and what we've accomplished for him or the fruit that has come from our life, the actions, the decisions, what evidence is there to show that we are a person of true faith or a person just like we find Abraham who lived by faith. Now we look here in Hebrews chapter 11 and we have this very desirable obituary that was written here describing Abraham's life and the decisions that he made and where his, his priorities were. 
in the, here in the book of Hebrews. And from this text, as we look at it tonight, I think there's three areas, three specific descriptions here that I think can help us tonight. And the first thing that we find of this man who lived by faith, in order for him to be this man who lived by faith, we look here at the beginning, he, there was a call of faith in his life. And we look at the beginning of verse 8, the call of God is there. It says, by faith Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should, after receive for an inheritance, obeyed. If we were to go back to the beginning of Abraham's story there, just about 15 chapters into the book of Genesis, we would find this, this remember where Abraham really came from. He was a lost pagan man living in a place called Ur of the Chaldees. We can look there in, in the 11th chapter of Genesis and, and see he was raised in a society of people that did not worship the one true God. And really the, where he came from, the community that he, he lived in at the time, they, it was a society of people that worshipped the moon God. And Abraham and the place where he was and those that surrounded him, they were all people that did not look to the one true God and therefore were headed to hell at the time that God came to Abraham. But we find that God told Abraham, he called him, to go with him. And God went to Abraham where he was. He spoke to his heart and and told him to leave the land he was living in and go to this new place. And God moved on his heart and called him out. And as we look at our lives tonight and as we look at the life of every Christian that we know, we understand the word of God. God sent his only son Jesus to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. And all of us here, hopefully tonight, I believe from our testimony so far, are people that would profess to be Christians and would say we're a child of God. But every one of us, can, if we are a child of God, can point to a time in our life when we were not a child of God. The Bible says those without Christ are dead in their trespasses and sins. They are blinded to the things of God. There is no way for an individual, as we've seen in the book of Romans, often lately, there is no way for a person to be righteous in the eyes of God in their own power. But I love that God saw fit, just like he did with Abraham in the book of Genesis, to speak to him and, and to speak to us as a lost sinner to come to him. And God, as he does that, as, he's, as he speaks to the person and convicts them, he makes a sinner aware of the, the wrath of God and the coming judgment of sin. And he shows that sinner that every, every individual before they come to Christ needs to understand there's a penalty for sin. God takes that sinner and shows them their need for him, points them to Jesus, the, the one and only way to heaven. And, and God, God, looks at the, God speaks to the heart of the sinner and says, you might be lost, but if you come to me through faith, In my son, I will save you and deliver you from the wrath that you were headed to. That's called conviction. And the the first step to a life lived by faith is this call to have faith in God. To put your faith and trust in him for salvation. And I I would hope tonight everyone's experienced that that call that brought the conviction of sin. If you haven't, come come to God, look to him for salvation. Because that's the first step in genuine faith in God. Without that, without the basis of faith, without faith and salvation, there's no other need for any of this stuff in our life. Let's first look to him. We look in the book of 2 Peter chapter 1, and he says, add to your faith, then all those other things in the Christian life. Faith is the foundation. So Abraham experienced the call of God to come to him, and then we see him being called to faith. We see him answer in faith. We look there in verse 8, it says, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after receive for an inheritance, what's that word? Obeyed. He did what was necessary. He put his faith in God. 
He did what God told him to do. And as we studied on Sunday night there in the book of Romans chapter 4, it was his faith in God that brought him to salvation. Genesis chapter 15, the, the verse that Paul referenced says, and he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. He banked everything he had on the promise that God gave him. He believed every word, every bit of instruction, uh, the promise of him being the father of many nations. He took that, he put his whole heart in believing and having faith in it, and that was the reason he was saved. So first the unsaved person is called and convicted, and then after the conviction they come to God. And when someone receives Christ, Jesus promises to receive them and help them. Look at John chapter 6 together, John chapter 6. John chapter 6, verse 37 says, All that the Father giveth to me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me, I love this part, I will in no wise cast out. Verse 38, For I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. And this is the Father's will which hath sent me, that of all which he hath given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up again at the last day. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. So we not only need to hear the call of the Son of God, to hear the call of God in our life, but then believe on him. It's not enough just to experience the conviction, is it? It's not enough for the Lord just to speak to a heart and convict them of their need from him. It's not enough to be just convicted. In order for an, a person to have a home reserved in heaven, they must come to God by faith. Faith and trust in him. I was reminded this week of this famous interview of Larry King on the 20, 20th anniversary of Larry uh, King Live. He had an interview with Barbara Walters and she asked him many questions about his uh, profession and about his career and all the great things that happened to him in that time but she asked him a lot of very very direct and revealing questions and one of the things she asked him was about fear she looked at him and she says what is your greatest fear and he looked at her immediately and he said death this was in 2005 and and he's at the very top of his career he was one the number one show on television in, in, at that time slot but as he had all these things in the world nothing else mattered to him but this this fear compared to this fear of death that he had. And as he answered that question that his fear, his greatest fear was death, she then looked at him and she said, well, do you believe in God? And he looked at her, he said, not sure. I'm an agnostic. He had all the things the world could offer to him, but he still lived in fear of death. He didn't know God, had no relationship with him. And regardless of anyone's success, regardless of the status of any individual, if we're uncertain about God, we will most like, we will most often and assuredly, excuse me, be fearful of death. But as Christians tonight, if we'd answer the call of God, if we, if we turn to him after that conviction, put our faith and trust in him, not a single one of us should fear death. And, and Jesus, as he called you, is, is calling on others tonight to put their faith and trust in him. And if you're saved, don't live in fear. If you're saved, live with joy and peace in your heart because of the promises of God, but also have a desire to point other people to answer the call. So we see this call of faith in Abraham's life, and then we see really the, the, the meat of this text. We see then the walk of faith. It says there in verse 8, he obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. 
Verse 9, by faith he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country, dwelling in tabernacles with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. So not only did Abraham hear the call of God and answer the call, putting his belief and faith in the promises God gave him, but then he proved the reality of his faith by the way he lived the rest of his life. If you look here in in verse 8, he lived God's way. He, He went out, it says he went out not knowing whither he went. What faith is that? I don't think anybody likes to just wander about and, and to do something. They're not sure what the results of it are going to be. Abraham, he left where he was. He, he went after some time to the land God told him to go to, not knowing where he'd end up. But he trusted God to lead him where he wanted him. And that's exactly what God did. You know, God does not expect us to have everything figured out. God God doesn't expect us to understand, if I do this and follow God, this is what's going to happen. He doesn't expect us to know the results of those things. But what he does expect is that all of us obey him and walk as he leads and go as he leads in our life. He just wants us to be obedient to him. And he's looking for people, as he's called them to salvation, he's looking for that Christian, every single one of us, to follow and be obedient. And sometimes, as we look in the life of Abraham, we will see that that journey is not always easy, is it? Often there's going to be hardships. There's going to be trials. There's going to be difficulties. But as we follow God, the more we follow him, the more we trust him, the more we, more we live his way, the more we will see that his way is best. Now the psalm says in Psalm 37, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delighteth in his way. In 2004, a 145 mile per hour hurricane came through Florida named Hurricane Charlie. I don't know if anybody, we have any hurricane fans here that would remember that one. But in 2004, this one came and it destroyed more than 12,000 homes in the communities that it hit in Florida. A later study, as they looked at the storm, they looked at all the homes that were destroyed, found through the insurance companies that almost all of those homes that were destroyed in 2004 had something in common. They had all been built prior to 2001. In 2001, a new strict building code came through in in that area that had been adopted there by Florida and required homes to be strengthened to withstand certain winds. A man by the name of Jeff Burton, he was the building code, code manager for the Institute of Business and Home Safety, he said there is very, very strong evidence that buildings built under the 2001 code that were built properly and inspected fared much, much better than buildings that were built prior. And he said the building code exists, that exists today, did its job. So sometimes we we like to whine and complain about some of those things that the government requires, but in this instance, that building code and those that followed it found that it worked and that it protected them and, and saved their belongings, everything that they had. And the same is true for the Word of God. You know, sometimes we look at the Bible and we sit in church or we we feel the calling of God or the, the prompting of God to do something or to stay away from something. And sometimes in our flesh, we are tempted to resent the word of God, aren't we? Or the commandments, the priorities, the, 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 sometimes what we would call the rules or the way of holy living. And many people, many Christians in resenting that or giving into the flesh will completely abandon any holiness or God living because they don't want to be tied down to what the Bible says. They want to do things their way and they think their way will turn out. But we often find the people that do not follow the word of God when the trials come in life and when the storm winds blow, 
destruction follows. When the temptation comes, they, they're not able to withstand those temptations. They're not able to withstand the storm, but we will find as our foundation is the word of God and as we trust him, even if we don't quite understand it, his way is better than our way. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. What a truth that is. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, he that keepeth the commandment keepeth his own soul, but he that despiseth his ways shall die. Luke chapter 11, verse 28, it says, but he said, yea, rather, blessed are they that hear the word of God and keep it. I, I, I want that blessing. I want God's favor on me. I want the joy of God and the peace of God on my life. So what do we need to do? Do what the Bible says. Obey him. Follow him. Even if we don't quite understand, do things God's way. We look at Abram, Abraham. He lived God's way. And we look there in verse 9. We see he cont- not only lived God's way and went God's way, but he continued to go God's way. It says, by faith, he sojourned in the land of promise as in a strange country. So he went God's way, not quite understanding what was going to happen. And then as he was there, he lived the rest of his life as a stranger and a pilgrim in the land that God told him to go to. He found as he went there, it was occupied by heathens. But God promised him one day all this land would belong to him and to his offspring. The promise is there in the first time in Genesis chapter 13. As we referenced last week, the entire life of Abraham in the, in the land of Canaan, he was a stranger in the very land that God had promised was going to be his. But he lived that whole time and he, he wandered about as a stranger in the land God had given him, knowing one day the God that promised him those things would perform exactly what he promised him and his descendants. And even as we looked last week, Abraham didn't take things into his own hand to get the land. Even when it was offered to him to be given it by, by, by those men, as we looked last, last week in chapter 23, he did not accept the offer. He wanted to pay for it. He wanted it to be rightfully his. He didn't want to owe any man anything. He just believed that one day God would give it to him in God's time. He was able to, cont- to not only go God's way, but continue God's way because he believed God would keep his word. And that is exactly what genuine faith looks like in the life of a Christian. Faith believes that God will do everything he said he would do. It looks beyond the circumstances. And it trusts God to keep his promise. What does verse 1 in this chapter say? Now faith is the substance of things what? Hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. Circumstances don't have to look right to us. For us to do what God says. Doesn't have to look easy, comfortable. We just need to obey God and, and do what He's instructed us to do in His Word. Faith knows the promises of God are valid, even though their fulfillment might not yet be seen. Knows that God is as good as His Word. And, and regardless of the promise, God has made, faith knows that God will do. As he said, look at Matthew chapter 6, Matthew 6. We were here just about a month and a half ago. Matthew 6 verse 25. It says, therefore I say unto you, 
Take no thought for your life what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for the, your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns yet. Your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? None of you. And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. So we understand that principle. We need to trust God. We need to understand he will provide. And as we live that way, look at verse 33. Understanding we have a God who keeps his promise and takes care of his own. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Above anything else in our life, continue God's way. Seek him. Seek his way. Seek his will. Seek his purpose. Do as he says. And all these things shall be added. Every, every promise that God has made is good. So no matter what, seek him. The third division of this. He trusted God's way. So he went God's way, he continued God's way, and he trusted God's way. As, as Abraham journeyed from place to place, his life wasn't easy. You know, we'll look at our life, and we will, we'll look at his life, and just like ours, we'll see times of victory, we'll see times of defeat. We'll see times of joy and times of sorrow, times of righteousness, times of rebellion. Abraham wasn't perfect. He wasn't righteous on his own. We understand he made wrong decisions. He lied. He had others lie. Times of faith and times of foolishness, foolishness, times of joy, times of testing. And still during all the times of his life, he trusted God to bring into his life exactly what he needed. When he messed up, he went back to God. And he lived as a pilgrim in a strange land and he, and he leaned on the Lord for every single need he had. He not only did what God commanded and followed him and continued in it, when things got tough, he trusted God. He learned to do that. He leaned on his promise. Leaned on the providence of God. You know, his life wasn't an easy life, but it was a life of faith, and it was a life that honored God. A life of faith is not an easy life. But it's a life that honors God. It's a life that God will be pleased with. It's a life that God will bless. If if you want to turn quickly to Isaiah 41, verse 8, I just want you to see what God said about Abraham. We know Abraham made mistakes. He wasn't perfect, but he lived a life of faith enough to where God put him there in Hebrews chapter 11. But here's what God said about Abraham. In Isaiah 41, verse 8, he says, But thou, Israel, art my servant, Jacob, whom I have chosen, the seed of Abraham, what's those next two words? My friend. God called Abraham a friend. And God demonstrated those things. He, he, he looked, he, he thought highly 
of Abraham and the faith that he had to him. Remember when, the, when, when God came himself there with the, with, with the two angels there to Abraham and Sarah, and Sarah laughed at the reminder of the promises. God then spoke of Abraham, and he said, For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him, and they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that which he had spoken of him. Abraham trusted God to just so much, had such strong faith in God, even as he had failures in life, God knew that Abraham would always choose God's way. That he would raise his family God's way to look to him as the one true God. God knew Abraham was all in. And so Abraham was called a friend of God. Sounds like a good life. It wasn't a perfect life, but it was a life of faith that honored God. And as we look at our life tonight, we understand a life of faith not being perfect is going to have ups and downs. But it always comes back to the place where it goes with God. If we, if we live tonight in real faith, just like Abraham, we understand that we are a stranger in a lost, cursed world. As, as we live a life of faith, we understand that we will look to God to do what is best as life goes by. As we, as we live a life of faith, we can know that God can be trusted. We can know that God is able. We can know that God always knows and does what is best. As we live a life of faith, we understand and will not be shocked when life is not easy from time to time, but that God and his providence can, will be, can be trusted to do what he's promised he will do. Genuine faith just simply follows God and continues to do that throughout life. In 1893, the Ferris wheel was invented by a man named George Ferris. And when it was finished, he invited a newspaper reporter to come to this place where many people would be watching, and he got on the uh, Ferris wheel with the reporter and his wife. And it was a very windy day in July. They, they got on the Ferris wheel, and as the Ferris wheel began to, to turn, the wind blew harder and harder, but the Ferris wheel never budged. It turned flawlessly. They went around one complete revolution, and, and Ferris called for it to be stopped so he, he and his wife and the reporter could get off. And in that, they demonstrated genuine faith. The inventor of the Ferris wheel, he began with scientific knowledge that everything would work and that it would be safe. His wife and the reporter, they got under, got under the Ferris wheel believing the machine would work on the basis of what Mr. Ferris had told them and, 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 and shown them. But only after the ride could it be said of all three that they had personal experiential faith. We, we have God's instruction and God's promises in our hands. We, 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 we understand throughout the word of God the, the certain passages that we are to live a, a certain way in life and we are not to walk the way of the ungodly or, or the way of the scorner or the way of the sinful. We understand the devil is going to attack and by that we need to be watchful. We need to look. We need to be ready for the attacks of the devil because he's seeking whom he may devour. We understand that we can take all things to God in prayer. And as we take all things to God in prayer, our supplications to him, the peace of God which passes all understanding shall keep our heart and mind. We understand if we walk in his spirit, we shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. We understand he's told us to be holy because he is holy. We know what his word says. But it's not until we actually follow what he says that we're living a life of faith. And it's not until we obey him and continue in his way that we can say personally that we live a life of true 
faith? Are we determined to continue in that? So we look at the call of faith, we look at the walk of faith. And then the last thing tonight in verse 10 of our text, the hope in faith. Verse 10. For he looked for a city which had foundations, whose builder and maker is God. The faith that he had was one with expectations. And as Abraham journeyed to the promised land that God had told him was going to be his and his descendants, he looked towards that land, but he looked beyond it and embraced a time far into the future of his life. It was the hope of heaven. As he journeyed from place to place in Canaan, he would pitch his tent and he would follow the leadership of God. He was looking for another country as he did that. He was expecting to be in a different place one day. As he looked to God to give, to give him and his offspring the promised land, he had his eye on a place called heaven and he lived with the hope of heaven and it sustained him through the difficulties. You know, Christian living in faith walks through this world with the same kind of hope. If we were to look in the book of 1 Peter chapter 1, we would see what Peter called it. He called it a lively hope. That is a, a sure knowledge that one day the Christian is going to leave this world and they're going to arrive at a, at a new place that is far better than where we've ever been. Remember again, we've, we've said it several times today, every Christian is just a stranger. This world is not my home, I'm just passing through. And it is that faith in heaven, not, not in the world we live in, but faith in a place called heaven that can keep a Christian going through difficulties, through tragedy, through trouble. That, that hope entered us when Jesus came into our heart. The Bible says in Colossians chapter 1, to whom God would make known what is the riches of his glory, of the mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. That hope is in all of us. Some of you, are, have the great joy in your life right now. Some of us have great peace in our life. Some of us are experiencing difficulties, trials, health problems, tr- trouble, trouble at home or trouble at work, whatever it may be. Whether our life is, is what we would call good right now or not, whether we're in a mountaintop or a valley, there is a better day coming for all of us. You know, my, my pastor always said, for the Christian, this is the closest to hell we will ever be. To the unsaved, this is the closest to heaven they'll ever be. But if you're saved tonight, this is the closest to hell you will ever be. That should be our expectation. So we have a hope, not just of heaven, but of a heavenly home. It's not just going to be a place that we spend time at. It's going to be a place that we will Live forever. That is going to be our home. You know, he, his whole life was a journey. His whole life, he, he would move from place to place, packing up his tent and going to another place, and, and packing up his tent and going to another place. We see it time and time again in his life. He, he never was able to settle down. And as he journeyed, I, I believe that, that he longed for the day when he could settle down and, and put away those traveling shoes that he wore he wasn't just looking for a city on earth he was looking for a heavenly city built by God where he could live forever in the presence of God 
There's some things about heaven we see here. It says, for he looked for a city which hath foundations, whose builder and maker is God. The first thing we understand about heaven tonight is it is prepared. He's, he's looking for something prepared for him by God. That's a promise. We can look in John chapter 14. Jesus said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's his promise. There's a, there's a place being prepared for the Christian. It's, it's, it's not just going to be a, a, a dwelling place. It's going to be a home. It's prepared. And not only is it prepared, it's perfect. Why? He says there in verse 10, the builder and maker is who? God. God is perfect. And everything he does is perfect. It's a perfect land designed for a perfected people. And in that land, none of the things that blemish the world we live in right now will be, ever be found in heaven. Revelation chapter 21 verse 4 says, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow, nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Nothing will be corrupt there. It's perfect. That should bring us hope. And it's permanent. We look there and it speaks of the city that hath foundations whose builder and maker is God. Every home Abraham lived in for the majority of his life was temporary, a, a tent on sand. It's not going to be a temporary, heaven is not going to be a temporary home like the tents he lived in or like even the homes that we live in. But our heavenly home is a permanent destination, a permanent home, a place that will never fade away, fall away, rust, rot. We should have faith that longs to settle there. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? One of the early explorers of South Africa's ocean waters, Bartholomew Diaz, he, he, he went around the Cape there in South Africa on a stormy ship and as the storm came on, on his ship and on the men that were with him, they were scared to death of that place and they called that cape the Cape of Storms. That's what it was called for a certain amount of time and years later a man by the name of Vasco da Gama, he went over that very same cape. And as he went through the Cape of Storms, he didn't think the name was, any, was fitting any longer for that place and he changed the Cape of Storms to a place called the Cape of Good Hope. Because he knew as he was going through that cape, he saw ahead of him the jewels and the treasures of India that he and his ex fellow explorers were looking to find there. He saw it a, little, it a little differently than the previous man did. If you are saved today, you can call this journey, this life that we are living, a life of storms if you'd like to. But if you are saved with the knowledge of Christ and the hope with the faith that you have in, in your God and what he's promised you, you can call it what it is lived in Christ, a life not of storms, a life of hope. And Abraham lived not only in, in, in the call of God and he, he had faith not just to walk where God had him to walk, but he knew that this earth that he lived in 
Even the promised land God had promised him and his descendants, he knew that wasn't the end. And because of that and that way that he lived, we, we find him in Hebrews chapter 11 in the hall of faith. We find him labeled a friend of God. So how's your faith tonight? Are you, are you, have you been faithful to do what it is God's told you to do? We need to start there, don't we? Are we obeying his word? Are we, are we reading it? Are we praying? Are we looking to him? Are we following what he's told us to do? Maybe there's people here tonight struggling. Abraham struggled. Faced drought. His life was threatened. His family didn't get along all the time as they should have. He had, he had a lot, lot of things going on. He, he lived in a tent for the majority of his life. His life wasn't perfect. But remember, this life isn't the end. There's something much better waiting for us. So have faith. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Abraham was a man who lived by faith. And if we were to take a step back and had the the ability to step back from our life right now, Does that describe you? Does that describe the life you're living? Are you living in faith? Are you going God's way? Are you continuing in it? Are you trusting in him and his sovereignty? Do we have hope? Do we have faith that one day we are going to go to heaven? We can live in hope in that. This, This world is not our home. Every child of God is a better place, a place that is far better waiting for us. Have faith. Lord, we love you, God. We thank you for your word, the privilege it is to serve you. Be with the invitation tonight. Let's call this in Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand together as the piano plays, as Brother David sings, the altar is open. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our way. While we do his good will, he abides with us still, and with all who will trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Not a burden we bear, not a sorrow we share, but our toil he doth richly repay. Not a grief nor a loss, not a frown nor a cross, but is blessed if we trust and obey. Trust and obey. Trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus, but to trust and obey. Then in fellowship sweet, We will sit at his feet, or we'll walk by his side in the way.
says we will do. Where he sends we will where go. Where he sends we will go. Never fear, Never fear. trust, trust and, and obey. obey. Sing that chorus together. Trust.